Good morning. In the stress list today in studio is District Attorney for Deschutes County, Steve Gunnels. Steve, good morning, sir. Good morning, Frank. Very nice to have you in with us here today. We have to uh, go right into crime because that is your vocation. <laughs> but uh, give us uh, an update on the uh, shooting death investigation that uh, happened in downtown Bend just recently. Yeah. Uh, so Taylor Weiss was murdered in downtown Bend in August. And... Uh, the individual accused of that murder uh, was arrested in Tennessee since we spoke last. Uh, his name is Caleb Seegers, and he's been indicted here in Deschutes County for the murder. Uh, the Deschutes County Sheriff's Office worked with law enforcement in Tennessee to locate Mr. Seegers and to arrange his capture. Uh, Mr. Seeger's brother, Dante Seegers, has also been charged with hindering prosecution for allegedly helping to uh, transport Mr. Seegers out of state and, and to Tennessee. Is the suspect back in Deschutes County yet? He's not. He's on his way back. But uh, the time frame for that is uh, unknown to me and to everybody. It's it's in the hands of the, the uh, entities that are in charge of transportation, and they don't give out that information because of security reasons. Gotcha. Okay. So what kind of a timeline are we looking at? What happens when he comes back, and then how long will that process take? Well, when he comes back, he will be arraigned or told what the charges are in court. The judge will make a decision about whether he could be released or whether he'll be held without bail pending a trial, and then the case will be set for trial probably six months to a year out. That's normal for a murder case. All right. Uh, speaking of murder cases, Evelyn Weaver investigation, the young lady killed on Hill Street in Bend. Yeah, Bend police detectives are continuing to follow leads in that investigation. And the Oregon State Police Crime Lab is assisting in that investigation. Uh, we just had a meeting in my office with detectives and the crime lab last week, uh, getting an update and, and kind of deciding some some investigative paths that we want to take. And I do believe that this murder will be solved and that the, the perpetrator will be held accountable. Uh, but I can't give you a timeline for it. Ultimately, we want the investigation to be as thorough and complete as possible. And that is going to take time. In some cases of murders and uh, fatalities like that, you're able to, to get a, identify a suspect and latch on to him in a pretty short time frame without you know, crossing into areas that you can't divulge. But what are some of the factors that have made this Evelyn Weaver case lengthy? Well, if you compare it, for example, to the downtown shooting, that shooting was witnessed by a number of people. The people knew who the shooter was and were able to identify the shooter to law enforcement immediately. In, in the Evelyn Weaver case, that murder happened inside a home. There were no other witnesses other than the murderer and Miss Weaver. And uh, so we have to, investigators have to use forensic evidence, uh, leads, and uh, you know, interviews of people who potentially know the murderer to locate that individual and take that person into custody. So time consuming, but definitely very active investigation. It's a very active investigation and the Bend, 
police, detectives, all of them uh, are and have been involved in this investigation since the murder occurred. Okay. Let's move over to uh, uh, updates on changes to fentanyl laws. How is that going to help police and prosecutors? Yeah, so the the legislature uh, recently passed and the governor signed into law a change to Measure 110, uh, which uh, the new change attempts to close the so-called fentanyl loophole. The way Measure 110 works is that it decriminalized uh, so-called low-level possession offenses, and with fentanyl, the the law made possession of less than five grams of fentanyl a violation. A violation is like a speeding ticket. You can't go to jail for it. You can't be placed on probation for it, those kinds of things. And this, this new change that the legislature uh, passed recently makes possession of a gram or more of fentanyl a crime. And that's really important because that allows the police to act when they find somebody in possession of a, uh, a gram of fentanyl in a way that they couldn't before. Five grams of fentanyl is a lot. Fentanyl is an extremely potent, extremely deadly drug, and somebody in possession of five grams likely has reasons other than personal use for that kind of possession. So now dropping the number down to one gram, police have a lot more authority and discretion to take action and prosecutors then when they get those cases can try to steer a user of drugs, an addict, into drug treatment to get supervision so that they stay clean and sober while their probation officer is making sure that they're going to treatment and following through with what the court has ordered, which generally is drug treatment. Um, how much fentanyl does it take to cause a fatality? A very small amount. And the thing about street fentanyl, it's not pharmaceutical fentanyl that people could buy get at a pharmacy. It's street fentanyl, which means that the, the purity of a fentanyl pill could be 1% or 100%, and it's Russian roulette when somebody is taking a street fentanyl pill because they don't know the purity of it. If it's a, a pure uh, fentanyl pill and they don't have much experience with fentanyl, a gram could kill somebody. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's a very dangerous drug. And we've seen a lot of overdose deaths across the country, but in central Oregon and in, in Oregon as well. In the last few years, it's a, a very common street drug, and it's extremely deadly. So where are we at in getting that law changed? It has passed through the legislature, and the governor, governor signed it into law, so it is currently the currently law. Currently in effect. Yes. Okay. Um, speaking of, of drug use, uh, a couple of Portland has uh, passed a resolution to uh, make it illegal for open-air drug use. Uh, the city of Medford is about ready to do the same thing. And they've passed these kind of prematurely because, according to state law, they can't do that. Right. Yeah, so it's, um, I think my understanding of what they did in Portland is it's more of a message that, that the Portland City Council would be supportive if the legislature wants to take that issue on. 
And what I know that they've seen in, in Portland is a lot of open-air drug use, people on the streets injecting drugs, smoking drugs, uh, taking drugs openly, and and the police can't do anything about it because of the, the reasons that I've been talking about with uh, the, the decriminalization of small, relatively small amounts of these drugs. So I, I believe that the, the next step and probably the logical step is to ask the legislature to either criminalize public use of drugs or make those changes that, that a lot of uh, people, including treatment providers, believe need to happen, which is lowering the amounts even further for criminal amounts so that it's even less than a gram of the drug the way it was before Measure 110. And uh, that would allow police to act to seize those drugs and to, you know, direct those people into treatment ultimately, getting well, them into the court system. The cities have to wait on the state to act, and we don't know how long that may take. Yeah, I, I believe that the legislature is going to take up all of these issues, the Measure 110 kind of at the top of the, the priority list in this next short session, which begins soon in, this, in the fall. And I believe that, uh, that that is going to be something that gets pushed in a number of directions. I'm aware of, just in my, in my role, a number of proposals to either criminalize public use of drugs or to criminalize all possession of drugs of, in, of any amount and to make public use a, an enhancement factor, making it you know, a more serious offense if somebody gets caught possessing drugs and using it in public. Yeah, Measure 110, uh, very unpopular among law enforcement. Uh, when it first came out, I talked to your predecessor, I talked to the sheriff, I talked to the police. Uh, they all were not in favor of that measure. Yeah, the you know, I'm, I'm in the executive branch, so it's my job to enforce the law as, you know, as it is. Uh, but I, I can tell you just my experience as a prosecutor is I've, I've been a, a prosecutor in drug court for 20 years, and drug addicts generally need to be made to go to treatment at first. And after a while, you know, once the treatment starts to sink in, once their lives start to get better, once their heads start to clear, then they're, they're in there because they want to be there. They want to be in treatment. They want to keep getting clean. They want to keep making improvements in their lives. But at first, they have to be forced into treatment, and that's what criminalization of the drugs does. It allows the courts to order people to get treatment that they need, and uh, that's, a, that's a hard thing to say, but the reality is most people won't go into treatment on their own, and even under Measure 110, less than 1% of individuals cited for possession of these violation amounts of drugs under Measure 110 have gone and gotten an assessment to be treated. Less than 1%. That's a horrible failure rate. And I think everybody who looks at that part of Measure 110 sees that changes need to be made. There's another part to Measure 110 that is a funding mechanism for treatment programs, and that's all to the good because those treatment programs need funding. But there needs to be a mechanism to get drug addicts 
into the treatment program to begin with because most drug addicts won't do it on their own. All right. Steve Gunnels, District Attorney for Deschutes County, a discussion that no doubt will be continuing in a later date. Yes. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Steve. FM News 100.1, 1110 KBND.